find what you are passionate about and see where social justice can intersect with that. Because there are so many different issues um, that are going on that you can directly tie race into. Even if you're going on about climate change, like let's talk about how climate change disproportionately affects black people. You know, we're talking about feminism. Let's talk about how that disproportionately affects black women. Think creatively. And when I say that, I don't just mean like, um, being like musically engaged or like doing art or anything like that. Like think outside the norm um, because a lot of people just don't recognize that a lot of the traditions of this country are based on others' oppression. everybody, welcome to another episode of the Leaders Podcast. I'm your host Mpomonsu and our goal and mission with the show is to introduce you to stories of young people across the globe who we believe are the next generation of thought leaders in their respective fields, right? As you guys always know, we always looking to find young, active change makers who we believe will help us learn, grow and inspire us. And I believe that today's guest is exactly going to do just that. Some call her an activist but i truly feel an adjective that best describes her is as someone who has dismantled and offers us a new lens through which we can view our lived experiences and events around social justice courses in this avant-garde era she is formerly known as toel washington who is the co-founder of a gaming company called the masters tools and an enterprise called black best in 2020 built on a mission to actively dismantle and fight for eliminating of racial inequalities while promoting creativity and solidarity within the black community here in the greater Boston. Furthermore, she is currently at the cusp of attaining her bachelor's of science in sociology at Salem State University here in Boston. On that note, my good people, think of the upcoming Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, Stacey Abrams, or perhaps even our very own Congresswoman, Cori Bush, think of Towell Washington and the body of work that she has been doing. Toel, thank you so much for joining us here at the Leaders Podcast. Okay, hi everyone. Um, thank you so much for that cool introduction. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I think Toel, firstly, I think nice to meet you. It is the first time I'm meeting you. Um, and I guess before we even delve into your body of work and then what you're about, I'm really just interested and curious in how you've been navigating this time, you know, with the pandemic. Um, where have you been mentally and then how has the pandemic treated you? Um, mentally, I mean, some days, you know, are harder than others. And I I think that until we all, um, kind of get past this time period of the pandemic, we won't really recognize, um, how much of a toll, you know, the pandemic did on our mental health. Um, as much as people talk about like stay inside, you know, in quarantine, you know, that's obviously important and we should, because we, you know, we want to get rid of this virus. Um, I think people say like, it's, an easy thing to do like um humans aren't social beings like it's really hard (laughs) it's it's much harder than it sounds to just stay put and and stay inside you know like i'm I'm tired of my bedroom it used to be a safe space (laughs) to to come after a long day and now i'm here all the time and so Mm -hmm. um i'm definitely trying to you know navigate um through that and and find ways to keep myself busy um at home 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm doing, um, you know, in terms of my mental health, I guess. Yeah. Hey, and then I'm guessing one of the ways in which you keep yourself active, I'm guessing keeping in touch with friends or finding active ways. Um, I think right now in Massachusetts, it's better because you can actually go outside and actually meet with friends. So you do that. Um, mm-hmm. or, or is it all just virtually? Uh, how do you connect with the people closest to you? Um, so majority of the time, yeah, we like just FaceTime or, yeah. you know, um, phone calls, social media, um, yeah. of course. Um, and yeah, I've here and there, I've like gone out to eat, you know, yeah. um, with friends, but you know, there's not much you can do. And a lot of times like you just don't want to do anything because you want to keep the people around you safe too. Cause it's yeah. not just about us. It's about who we live with, who we're yeah. close to and who we see often so yeah i hear you so i think to to start us off you know i as in my process of just preparing for this episode just really thinking about how do we make sure that we put an episode that really just does this in in kind of capturing or encapsulating the core complexities or your lived experiences as an activist you know i think to start off my my leading question was that have you always been an activist right or if not what culmination of personal events in your upbringing snowballed into this energy and this desire to use your voice as a voice for change and impact? Um, I think that's, and still when people call me an activist, it still feels so surreal, I guess, because I think about <laughs> Angela Davis, MLK, and like they were activists, like yeah. that, that was so shocking <laughs> and powerful. Yeah. Um, but I've always been into social justice and working towards, you know, different social justice initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally started, I guess, my first, you know, um, call to social justice when I worked at um, Teens Imprint, which is a part of the Boston Globe. Yeah. Um, and so I, I am a writer. And so I used to write um, articles and all my articles were all centered around social justice. So my first article was about colorism. Right. I did an article about um, Eurocentric beauty standards. And this is when I was 15. Yeah. Um, and that's when I kind of found myself interested, you know, um, in that field of work. And then, you know, going into high school, I got my first job and I had um, worked for a domestic violence prevention, um, like nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, where I did a lot of domestic violence um, prevention work, advocacy work, um, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And then going into college, because at that point, um, you know, everyone else was working at like, you know, clothing stores, you know, yeah. supermarkets <laughs> and things like that. Um, and I was doing like, violence prevention work mm-hmm. um and by the time i got to college i had went in undeclared um because i was trying to figure out like i want to do something like this and i've always loved education like it's always been my thing mm-hmm. um but i didn't necessarily like the type of curriculums that they were teaching like the way they were teaching things in school yeah. um and so i tried to figure out like how can i become like an educator but like in terms of social justice, you know, and, um, and teach about that type of stuff. And so I kind of got into college and I had taken my first sociology class. Um, and I loved it. I love that. Um, like, unlike psychology, you know, the study of individuals, this is a study of groups. And I really, I really admired that. And I kind of looked into like, what jobs can you get with sociology? Be like, what, what do people with, um, sociology degrees do? And I had looked into it and it sounded like a lot of stuff that was, you know, more up my alley. And so I had to declare my major. Um, and that's when I kind of decided to go into stuff. I got involved in a whole bunch of, you know, student groups on campus, on like a group called Black, Brown and Proud meeting with, you know, the president's executive cabinet every month to discuss how to accommodate the students of color on campus. 
um, other um, programs like um, initiatives for just women of color and having like affinity groups and things like that. And so I got super involved um, on campus. And when the pandemic started, that really ended because like I was at home and I tried to figure out like, well, what else can I do from my room, you know, (laughs) to still do what I was doing because I was in shock. I I went from having a super busy schedule to having a super free one. And so I tried to um, think about that. And that's kind of how I got into, you know, um, my gains and my social media activism, which led to um, organizing the protests that we had last year. Mm -hmm. And I guess really, really talking about about the the protest, um, Toel, you know, the Casper protests across the U.S. Uh, a couple of years ago, last year, you know, on May 31st last year, you co-organized a Boston-based protest against racism, yeah. police brutality, calling for changes in cities and towns across the U.S. You know, talk to me about what, what this meant for you personally and also what it felt like participating in this march. Um, it was... I, I didn't imagine that it would be as big as it was. We actually yeah. organized the largest Black Lives Matter protests in the history of Boston. And that um that obviously was not our intention. Like the yeah. wasn't about <laughs> it wasn't about getting twenty-five thousand yeah. people outside. It was more so like we wanted to stand in solidarity with the rest of the country um as everyone else was protesting. And so many people are talking about like, well, like Boston is more liberal, or at least it's not that bad. But I'm like, but there's a lot of systemic racism um embedded in Boston throughout history and you know, present day. And so um kind of just seeing people think about it that way, we definitely wanted to start a process because we wanted people to understand that just because it didn't happen out here now doesn't mean that it can't. Yeah. Um, and we need to stop focusing on intervention and what do we do after these crimes committed? We need to focus on prevention and wow. making sure that, that they don't happen, period. Um, and so um, I, and I remember getting, you know, to the state house at the end of our protest and finally getting to our destination and, and being so overwhelmed with so many different failings, like so much anger, because it's like, I can't believe so many of us have to be out here even explaining ourselves and saying these things like I I can't even believe that it's gotten to that point um but also so happy because this is the first time I really seen you know my city really come together and and stand in solidarity with each other um and with the black and brown people across the country um as well as other countries because there were 18 you know countries that protested even though it happened you know in America and so it, it was just it was just huge just seeing everyone out um hearing everyone you know explain their feelings it was it was huge and it definitely you know throughout the summer i didn't even recognize how much of an impact it had on me you know until the fall um you know when i started to unlock and um start pointing out you know different triggers i had um and just realizing how much of a traumatic experience um, it has been as well, because I think that that kind of gets lost and everybody goes, you're doing so good. And that was such a great thing. Um, but I think that sometimes people forget how traumatic it can be to, to go outside, to see a whole bunch of police lined up where your destination is, to see them following you. Um, it, it was a lot. And then everything that happened, you know, after the protests, is, so it was a lot. As many of you know, the podcast is all about documenting and curating stories of active change makers we believe are the next generation of thought leaders in their respective fields. 
which is why I'm excited to tell you about our friends at Function Photography and Brand Development Services. They are a for-profit that exists to serve and create meaningful experiences for brands with a cause and individuals with a sense of purpose. They've worked alongside some of the biggest brand and media personalities, including but not limited to members such as Tabzi and the famous Candice Mudicelli. Therefore, my friends, if you're looking for an affordable photography, videography, or brand development services, make sure that you check out our friends at Function Photography and Brand Development Services. Make sure to click the link below for more information. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then one thing I really find find quite, you know, in my research and also just, just really looking about what that march meant for you and some of your previous interviews, one thing that really stuck with me with what you did at this march is that you urged participants not to forget black women in their activists, activism as mm -hmm. previous feminist movement have historically done. Where mm -hmm. you said that I want you all to make sure that when we march, we are not just marching for reproductive rights, equal pay or maternal health, but we are marching for our black and brown sisters as well. Which I'm guessing, you know, as as somebody when I read this, I think thinking of the timing at which this march is going on, and you coming out and really urging participants to really consider the black and brown sisters, um, as someone who's from South Africa and somebody who's of African descent, I was really in, inspired by that because sometimes I often the conversations even around feminism back home has often been like it's 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 got this westernized touch to it right like exactly. it's, it, i feel like it, it is ignorant and undermines the complexities that women of color face um so i was really quite quite inspired by that and just also interested what was running in your mind um when you were articulating such lines mm -hmm. um yeah so i think because um this happened at the protest in October for the women's march. Um, yeah. They had, you know, asked me oh, to come speak yeah. at that march. Um, and at that point, it was so in June, you know, of last year, it yeah. had marked the 100th year anniversary um, for the women's suffrage movement and then passing the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. But with a lot of people in in the history books, in schools, they do not specify that only white women got the right to vote during when that amendment was passed because that was in the 1920s and black people couldn't vote until the 1960s. Yeah. And so people undermine that and they ignore that. And so many people, you know, were shouting like, you know, it's been a hundred years since we got the right to vote. And I got angry because I'm just like, who is we? You know, like <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not we, you know, um, and so as I like went up there because I didn't necessarily prepare a speech, but I just wanted to go off of like how I'm feeling. And, you know, I said it. I said it's been 100 years to the women got the right to vote. And everybody's clapping. And I'm just like, no, y'all need to stop clapping because this is a part of the problem. Y'all dismiss our experiences all the time. Mm -hmm. And I had to point that out that. A lot of times because I want to make it clear, feminism is not just for white women, you yeah. know, like feminism is for all women. However, um, the way, you know, Western feminism has transformed feminism into this white supremacist thing where they're only fighting um, to get the same rights as white men. Like it has nothing to do with just equality at that point, because you don't care about 
equality and equity, um, thing, equity for all. You care about making sure that you have the same power that white men have. Um, and even, you know, historically, the suffrage ets were, they were very racist, you know. They said things like, I would, you know, I would rather um, cut off my right arm than to see a black man vote. And yeah. so it's just like, you cannot march and say, we want equality and you're not fighting for everyone here. And so I had to make sure to point that out because when you think about feminism, you think about equal pay, you think about, you know, um, maternal health and reproductive rights, you know, and all those things. But it's just like, I need y'all to think about poverty. I need y'all to think about religion. I need y'all to think about all these things because these are all women's issues because they're all issues that affect women. And and so I had to make sure um, to point that out um, because don't don't forget us in your activism and don't forget yeah. us in, in, in your feminism. Mm-hmm. Which really also got, got me thinking, Toel, which is why I think I, I was really particularly inspired by the work that you do, is that I had myself thinking that as firstly, I think I the first key to any sustainable change is is acceptance, right? So I was like, okay, I really could never understand or could try to my best as a boy to understand what my female counterparts feel. Um, but I could never say I can fully understand, right? Because it's just so complex. And if, if I, the moment I solidify my preconceived notions, I undermine and ignorant to what else could be out there, you know? So I really had myself thinking about it's great that even with the whole Black Lives Matter, that the hashtag Black Lives Matter, it's very easy for all of us to be keyboard activists, right? From the comfort of our homes, right? You just, a quick Instagram post, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and that's great, you continue with your mm-hmm. life. But I was really interested in this critical component, and I know you've done it in your way, which we'll speak about it later. But I was really interested in asking you about in what ways, what action steps or practically, do you think young people or, or anybody listening to this episode can do in their own form and their own within their own reach, actively take a step towards standing for this just cause? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, um, and especially in this last year, I'm learning that like the term activist is an umbrella term. It is yes. not something that um, has one job title and responsibilities you know it's not um something that you just say this is how you be an activist right yeah. because there's so many different ways that you could be an activist and just because you don't want to protest or lobby does not mean that you are not an activist and i think yeah. that that's something um that people have been a little bit confused about and and that's why i've had a hard time resonating at first with the term because i'm like um I haven't been to, you know, a billion protests. Like I haven't like been out and, and doing all these things. Yeah. Um, but I do stuff in different ways. I do it through education, you know, like I do it through sharing, sharing posts and all that stuff. And especially during a pandemic, I feel like a lot of people have told me, like, I feel like I'm not involved enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But we have to also recognize, you know, we're in a pandemic and it's hard to be outside and, and do the yeah. things that you would normally do. Um, and so I would definitely say one, Find what you are passionate about and see where social justice can intersect with that, because there are so many different issues um, that are going on that you can directly tie race into. Even if you're going on about climate change, like let's talk about how climate change disproportionately affects black people. You know, we're talking about feminism. Let's talk about how that disproportionately affects black women. You know, there's all these different. Let's talk about poverty. It Hmm. still disproportionately affects black people. Hmm. And so when you're thinking about the term activist and you're thinking about how to be involved, um, 
make sure that like your activism just aligns with what you're passionate about and include yeah. social justice. So if you are an artist, you know, maybe you don't want to protest, but you're doing murals. You're doing the Black Lives Matter murals. You're doing LGBTQ murals. You're doing yeah. these things. Um, or you're a singer and you're making songs about this stuff. You know, you're a teacher. You're making sure to incorporate it into your lessons. You don't have to go pro protest to be an activist um and that's something that black boston really tries to push for people to understand because i think that people have to get it's about collective power and it's about us getting at all parts of the issue we can't we can't all go protest because if we all go protest something else isn't being done and there's so much more to be done so we have to you know um sometimes just conquer and divide and do what we need to do and then come back you know, together. Mm-hmm. And I guess talking about tangible change, I think firstly, thank you for that immaculate answer. I really think about the idea that starting with focus, well, starting small and focusing with the intersection of social justice and that which you're passionate about. I've never heard that before. So I think I'm going to make a mental note myself. Um, but I really like that given how practical it is and given how it is something that you can actually take as an actionable step. And thinking about you and the work that you have done, you know, talking about action and tangible change, I know that one way in which you have changed the landscape or, you know, try to contribute to this body of work has been through education and your passion for non-traditional learning as one of your most recent project, the master's tools, you know. So talk to me about the confluence of events, right? So you, you, you mentioned this earlier on, that pandemic hits, you thinking of ways in which you can still do something actively, you know what I'm saying, um, about, about that which matters to you. So talk to me about the game. You know, the masters to, I, I, I believe the first game is meet the colonizers, right? Yes. So quite interesting what the game is about, what it aims to, what it aims to teach. What are some of the key takeaways and how do you play yeah. the game? Um, yeah, so Meet the Colonizers. Um, well, I could start off with the Master Sues, actually. Yeah. Um, so I actually named it that um, off of my favorite social theory and social theorist, um, R.G. Lord. She came out with this theory, the Master's Tools will never dismantle the Master's House. Yeah. Um, and that always like stuck out to me because I remember like, what does that even mean? Like that, that sounds so deep. That sounds yeah. so, you know, <laughs> and after like getting into it and reading it, we're understanding like the master's tools, these systems, you know, these different systems of oppression um, mm-hmm. used to keep us down and they're all um, made off differences. Cause when she had said this, this was actually um, two white women cause she was addressing feminism and, yeah. and just addressing Western feminism. Um, and talking about these differences that we have um, we can't use them as a tool to keep us, you know, divided. We have to understand these differences and use it um, to create collective power. Yeah. Um, and so I had named it that because I felt like that was very encompassing of like what I was trying to do and what I was trying to get at um, and point out these differences in these systems. And so I made the company to talk about systems of oppression, to teach and educate people about them and just help have these conversations. Cause sometimes it's hard to have these conversations or the way that you go about them uh, kind of pushes people away from wanting to talk about them. And so with Meet the Colonizers, it's my first card game. Um, This game is specifically to expose American systems, heroes and ideas. Um, And I say heavy on expose because a lot of this information, sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't know that, you know? Um, And so, 
I have all these different cards about certain people. Like I point out like Christopher Columbus and the fact that he didn't discover nothing because he, he never missed that foot, you know, on American soil and people were already here. So he didn't discover, you know, America. Um, and, you know, talking about like um, capitalism mm-hmm. in a sense that like it is an oppressive system. And in order, you know, for a world to operate with capitalism, you have to have people in poverty, you know, while others are insanely rich, you know? Um, And so just being able to talk about all of those different things and point them out in the way that tells the story of minoritized communities instead of in a white supremacist narrative, um, like history books tell you, like even with like, as I mentioned, like if they talk about the women's um, rights movement and, you know, feminism, they talk about it, but they don't, you know, forget to mention, oh, well, black women still couldn't vote, though. They, they don't say that part. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I point that out. Um, mm-hmm. I just point out all these different movements, ideas, people that they kind of praise and talk about in a way that's like they just got us to where we needed to be. And they just saved us without um, recognizing the harm that they did um, in in other instances. And so that is what the game is about. Um, How do you play the game? So it's kind of trivia style. Um, Each card has a question and, you know, four multiple choice answers. It has the answer at the bottom, um, but each round, whoever's turn it is, um, someone will read the question to them. They have 30 seconds to answer the question. If they get it wrong, then it goes to the next person to try to answer. If they get it right, they keep the card for the rest of the game. And whoever has the most cards by the end of the game wins. Wow. Wow. I think, I think quite a, oh, I think firstly, if one wants to buy this, where do they get it? Is this accessible on the online site or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is. Um, I created a website, an online store. So the masterstools.com. Yeah. Um, you can purchase it. Yeah. And I think really thinking about this game, and then I, I got some time to actually kind of look through it. And I think listening to you now makes me realize the importance of, of just awareness, right? Sometimes we think we are aware, but we don't actually, we are ignorant, right? To, to things that we might think we know, but we don't actually truly know. So I'm really interested in also and how this this game just aims to fundamentally make people more aware of actually the history or what has happened um, with regards to 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 such um, social just causes. So I'm also quite interested because um, you look like someone who's really done quite a lot or really worked a lot in terms of like um, social justice movement or social justice within and of itself. So I'm really interested as a human being and as a person as to well. What do you do for your self-development or to keep yourself growing within the space? How do you make sure that you're always learning these perspectives and and ability to extract um, principles and form your own um, raw, authentic perceptions? Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely important um, to do your own research and to read on your own. And that's another reason why I had to create these games, because obviously they're not going to teach you every single thing that you need to know but they are going to help start the conversations. And I hope that they encourage you to self-educate, to go yeah. look at these things. If you have the internet, then Google is free. Therefore yeah. you can go look it up. <laughs> you can go find these books. You could go find PDFs. Like you can go read. Um, and I think it's about kind of thinking about what interests you in going to read more about it. Right. So you see, like I have 
you know, all these different books, you know, I have the PDFs on my computer where I'll just take time. I'll take time usually every morning um, to go try to read some new information, to try to learn something else. I'll see a post on Twitter and I'll go, oh, I don't really get that. I'm about to go look it up. Like I want to learn more so I can, you know, understand and, and be a part of these conversations. And I think that it's also important um, to figure out your own politics. Hmm. Um, and I really encourage that, especially, you know, from millennials and Gen Z, because, we grow up and we are taught, you know, what our values are and our beliefs are, and we don't have time to create our own. Right. Um, if you grow up in a super conservative household, then you're going to end up being very conservative. And if you grow up in a super liberal, um, a progressive household, you're probably going to be more progressive. And so I think it's important to take time to learn your own politics and think about like, hey, I grew up and my parents always told me this, but it always felt weird to me. Like, maybe let me look into this. Yeah. Hey, my parents told me to go vote for this person, but it doesn't really align with what I believe. So let me go look into other people who do, you know, um, not listening to social media, not listening to your family, your friends, you know, who everybody else you think everyone else is voting for or who everyone else is with doing your own research and seeing like, what do I believe? What do I stand for? Yeah. Who, who is going to represent me yeah. in that? Um, rather than it just being, Oh, which, who you vote for? Like, who did you check? Yes. on? like, Oh, all right, I'm gonna do that. Um, because a, a lot of people have done that and, you know, black people are actually the, the least politically engaged, um, when it comes to like, you know, voting and all those things and getting into politics. And obviously a lot of that is not our fault because political language a lot of times is not accessible and they do it in a way that people don't understand. And, and that is what we do at Black Boston, transforming language so people can't understand. So we can let them know these bills affect you and you guys need to know, you know, what they say. Um, but that's definitely um, something that I do to make sure that I'm keeping myself grounded in, in growing um, and, and learning more because you could never know enough. Mm. Well, it really kind of speaks about, speaks to, to the idea of also just, just knowing your voice, right? I think sometimes even something I struggle with as somebody who's young, and right, there's just so much noise, right? Be it from Instagram, social media, the type of friends you're with, that really do we know, uh, have a sense of actually what does my voice sound like? Like it's very easy for me to come up here, do an episode with Toel, and I know how Toel voice sounds, but I might not know as Mpo how my voice actually sounds. So I think really speaking to the idea of, of doing your own research, you know, taking time alone, isolating yourself to really get to the core of, of what you are forming your basis of your perceptions on um, and kind of interrogating those biases. Um, th that you spoke about, about maybe sometimes you go in a space in which your mom has always said this to you, but you've never interrogated that. So you've hold that as the fundamental truth. So taking time to really just also interrogate, kind of like a reality check. Um, on that note, talking about self-development, what do you believe is your message to the world? Um, my message, I would say, to think in a way that's, non-traditional that is like my big thing to unlearn um and think outside the box think creatively and when i say that i don't just mean like um being like musically engaged or like doing art or anything like that like think outside the norm um because a lot of people just don't recognize that a lot of the traditions of this country are based on others oppression and so if we think about that, then we have to also understand that 
in every instance, you know, of our life, especially when it comes to these different systems, whether it's the healthcare system, the education system, whatever it is, there's always going to be a white supremacist undertone in all of these systems. And so you have to think outside the box. That's why when I created my games, it's like some people don't want to sit in a classroom and do a lecture for an hour. They don't. It's not it's not productive to their learning. They're not learning what they should. Um and it's not accommodating to their learning style, right? So yeah. switch it up. Um, some people, you know, might not want to play games. They might want to do a workshop, you know, switch it up. Start yeah. learning how to switch it up and think yeah. outside the box. So I think that that's definitely um, what I've been feeling like is my purpose in the world to to change things, change the narrative, um, change the way that people see and perceive things and, and how they continue with the way that they do things. Um, and just, and just making sure that it, it fits you in how you learn what you believe, um, how you see the world, how you walk through the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that immaculate answer. On that note, how do you think our listeners and our viewers can stay in touch with the work that you're doing? Um, yeah, so they can uh, check out blackboston.org um, if they want to get, you know, updated on anything Black Boston, um, themasterstools.com um, if they want to get into like learning about the games or anything like that. Um, themasters.tools on Instagram for the page, um, blackboston2020 on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my personal page is aspiring t um underscore on twitter and aspiring.to on instagram yeah right there you have it from uh Toel washington herself guys go read and check about her work and the bodies of work and who she is as a person on her social media pages we will be sharing links to her page um and her website uh once we do release this episode once at the leaders podcast we believe that as more and more young people go conscious of their unique purposes as they discover they hidden pearl they essentially add value to society in the only way they can please remember to follow us on our youtube instagram twitter apple podcast google podcast and spotify at the leaders podcast and if you enjoyed this episode please remember to like comment and share with at least three people who you believe will find this episode valuable until next time be legendary